Hello and welcome to The Stushy, the Scottish politics podcast from DC Thompson that helps you be better briefed. I'm Andy Phillip and this is your last podcast from us for the summer. Barring any shocks or world-changing events, because the memory of the last time I said that is still fresh in my mind, about a week after we broke for last summer, some, some old guy resigned from the government, quickly followed by another one and then another one and then an FM and then everything else and there's been some arrests and a lot of other things have gone under the under the bridge since then and I'm sure we'll get to all of those things in good time but yes parliament broke yesterday and we've got a few sun-kissed weeks ahead of us so it's a good time to take stock um, we've obviously had a number of prime ministers a new first minister um, a burning pyre of SNP green policies um, Lots and lots of fun to, to, to get through. I'm joined for the first time, all in one room in Dundee, like the professionals that we are, David Clegg, Justin Bowie and Adele Merson, all in one place. Hello. 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 Good to see you all in person. Um, I think we're also going to have a bit of a test today. Resident Quizmaster Justin Bowie is in the room and he's got some questions to test whether we really were paying attention this term, uh, I know I was, and I will come out flying. Because <laughs> I've seen big all... promises there, Andy. <laughs> big promises. Uh, but we have been we have been doing a few quizzes in the past, and I, I can't remember. Does anyone know who's who's actually in the lead? If we tell them all up, who's 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 the brains? You've definitely won a quiz or two. Oh, I'm sure Adele's won in the past as well. David, have you ever won a quiz? I don't think so. I'm, I just I just want to put something on the record before we get going here. Adele is a reviser. She she like puts in work and preparation, and I feel that's almost unfair. And, and also and also you guys work full time on the politics beat, so I would just like to to note that I am at an immediate disadvantage in this situation. Uh, okay, well, I've not I, done any revising. No, that's that's, what uh, that's revising, right. I bet yeah. you had a whole file binder on the train from Aberdeen. <laughs> Come on now. I know, but David, the professional you are, I know that you're across. All the stories that, that are in, in our fine titles. Well, it's, so, it's exactly true. So you could put me on the football <laughs> podcast, it would be just as useless. <laughs> well, before we get to the, to, to the the real test, I think we should reflect a little on um, what's been going on. Um, I think we couldn't do a whole year, but I think so far in 2023 is a good, a good chunk of time to have a little bit of a go over because it started, we thought, well, there's not going to be a referendum this year. I wonder what is that? There's no election really on the horizon anytime soon, really. It's going to be a bit of a difficult one politically. Is there going to be anything to write about? <laughs> <laughs> and of course, knowing that I was a bit worried about, you know, uh, a news drought, Nicola Sturgeon promptly resigned um, and a lot of stuff happened then. So, I mean, let's, Hamza Youssef is now in power, First Minister. He's been there 100 days or thereabouts as we record this. Any highs and lows? What stood out for you, David? You're 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 a sometimes contributor to this podcast. Well, let's start with you. So, I mean, well, I mean, the thing to say is it feels like it's been a very dramatic ten years in Scottish politics. And if you were, if it, if it was a TV show, I think this series you might think, are they stretching credibility with their plotting? Because it's been so uh, extraordinary. Nicola Sturgeon resigning. Any other time, that would be the big story of the year for her husband. Peter Merle, the SNP chief executive, to then have been arrested in a police investigation into SNP finances. The treasurer, Colin Beattie, 
same. And then to have Nicola Sturgeon herself arrested, I mean, that process, that development of that story, which we still don't know how all that will shake out and finish, it, it really is a truly extraordinary uh, thing to happen. And I think we're not really sure at this stage what the implications of it will be. There's so there's such uncertainty around everything about it because you know the exact details of the police investigation are still unclear. Nobody really knows exactly what they're investigating, despite the reams of speculation we've we've seen about it. Uh, and and so Hamza Yusuf as the new first minister is in a situation where. Um, he's inherited a party which was in a difficult position politically on policy. And as you mentioned there, we've seen all those policy difficulties shake out pretty quickly, whether it be the deposit return scheme, uh, the marine protected areas, what on earth they're going to do about the constitution and independence. All these things are, are difficult enough, but then in the background, there's a specter of this police investigation and what exactly will happen with it and how the public will react to it and, 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 and what exactly it will mean. So while it's been a really dramatic and frenzied six months, it feels to me like you guys are unlikely to get any rest anytime soon because there's a, there's a great deal more to come. Yeah, there is. Um, I mean, Adele, there was a couple of things mentioned there. You have been following quite closely um, the, the the Butte House Agreement, which was Nicola Sturgeon's legacy with the Green Party, brought them into, into power with them. And I think it's fair to say it's been an unmitigated car crash. <laughs> <laughs> I think certainly... There's a lot of policies that have big implications in you know, the sort of north and northeast. And um, we see things like the A9 duelling, the A96 duelling, and as you say, marine protected areas, where I think, like I spoke to a fisherman yesterday who basically said that he thought the Butte House Agreement had been a disaster and that they need to get back to making like the, the economy a priority. Yeah. So yeah, I think certainly, and if we look at the most high profile kind of U-turns that there have been, they've all been around policies that I guess you could argue are being driven mainly by the Greens, like the deposit return scheme, gender reform, well, that's both parties really, um, marine protected areas. And that's really stood out, I think, in, in this session, that that relationship, I don't know what it's like internally, but certainly people from the outside, the public are beginning to ask questions around it in certain communities and how much they feel it's actually delivering for them. Yeah. So someone asked me a question about this, just the other week, and I didn't really know how to answer, so I'd be interested in what you guys think. What have been the benefits of it? What have been the achievements? Why are the SNP so invested in it? It's a good question, because um, I was I was just wondering aloud in my head there about what's in it for Patrick Harvey and Lorna Slater. They've, they, I don't, is power that important to them? What are they getting out of this power? I suppose one idea is that, you know, if you're a politician, you want to, I suppose, you know, make a difference and make laws. And from the Greens' perspective, you know, as a party who... They're never going to be in government on their own. They're unlikely to be the biggest part in, party in Holyrood. It's a chance to be in government and a chance to implement policy and a chance to be seen as being at the forefront of policy, which is quite rare across Europe for green parties to be able to do. There's sizable green parties in Europe, but not that many in government necessarily. The problem this year has been that a lot of those flagship policies like the deposit return scheme and like the highly protected marine areas have fallen by the wayside. So if you're the green party now, you, you start to wonder... Are those benefits of being in a position to make laws being outweighed by the fact that 
the policies you want to push through just aren't really coming to fruition as you expected. The memories of the Liberal Democrats as well surely must be like bouncing around in their heads because they got completely annihilated. I, I guess there's an argument from their perspective that the SNP and Green electorate has more of a crossover. There was already quite a sizable amount of the Scottish electorate that would vote SNP in the constituency and then Green on the list. So there's not the same contamination there, I guess. I think the bigger problem they're going to have is that when we get to the next Holyrood election, assuming the Butehouse Agreement lasts till then, I guess that's certainly up for debate. But what do they put on their leaflets? What do they say are their achievements in government from a, from a Green perspective? Because... I can't think of any. Uh, and when you look at, for example, in Adele's patch, the pressure that's going to be on the SNP on the oil and gas industry, especially as we come into this general election where that's going to be a central theme in Scotland, I suspect, feels like the SNP might have to roll back on some of their rhetoric on that already. So other than Patrick Harvey and Lorna Slater getting a bump to their salary, it's not, it's not clear to me what green ob objectives have been achieved. And the SNP... It's, I, I, I really struggle to understand why Hamza Youssef uh, and his colleagues seem so invested in it. I know it gives a majority in the parliament and they suffered from some votes and no confidence in the last Holyrood term, but it seems like they're paying a heavy price for that because they're being dragged in a way that is pretty much continually irritating sectors of their base uh, and and. and gives them so much less wriggle room when it comes to financing that. Although they've, they've, they've ditched quite a few of them in the last few weeks. Maybe that's not right. And I mean, it's almost become a weekly, um, when's Fergus Ewing going to stand up and, and call the his colleagues across the floor something insulting? He's been quite creative with his insults. To this, but that's been one of the highlights of this year. Just wondering what Fergus is going to call the Green Party next. There's some good ones, like the what, wine bar revolutionaries. That was perhaps the uh, most memorable pseudo-intellectual wine bar revolutionaries or something like that. It was very that good. would be a badge of honour for us, wouldn't it? I know, I know. Maggie Chapman, she she did she not? She went on Twitter straight after that and with a photograph of a glass of wine in front of her. So she's obviously <laughs> quite happy to own it. Um, but yeah, like like we're just saying there, oil and gas in Aberdeen. That's going to be a big one, and we've written about that and talked about that quite a lot this year. I was in Leith not that long ago where Keir Starmer was, was there and that um, that caused all kinds of fallout in Aberdeen, didn't it? I mean, what's going to happen there next? Yeah, it's strange because we obviously had that huge backlash to Labour's plans and being the one that was writing about it, I was trying to actually look at the two positions between the SNP and Labour and I don't quite know, you know, I don't feel they're actually separated by all that much on where they stand. So that's going to be the challenge for the SNP, I guess, is to work out how they're going to kind of package up their vision for oil and gas and how it actually differs from what Labour have suggested. It does seem they've softened their stance a little bit lately. Uh, we had Mary McCallan, the Net Zero Secretary, saying that, you know, it would be wrong, um, you know, to prematurely sort of close fields, I think it was. So they, they, I think they have taken note of what some of the reaction has been so far and they'll probably be thinking how they're going to sort of sell it to sell it to voters. Um, I mean, we, we talked a bit about his troubles there. But what has, do we dare wonder what Humza's high points were and Humza's hundred? I think in some regards, you could argue that given the situation he came into and given the criticism of the sort of murkiness surrounding the SNP, 
there has been an attempt to be a bit more transparent in terms of, you know, both of the media, you know, the press access to the First Minister has been pretty regular and quite decent. You know, obviously there was the row around the party auditors. I know that some people within the party were quite happy with Hamza Yousaf and Stephen Flynn over, you know, managing to secure those auditors in, auditors in time. The problem is, you could argue, it's quite a low ball, you know, Securing auditors for your party is it's something. <laughs> it's something that meeting you need your to basic have. legal requirements. Congratulations! <laughs> but but it's it's even if it is starting from a low bar, there's definitely a feeling within the party, perhaps, that he has managed to kind of you know meet those requirements, and he's managed to. I suppose do certain things of his doubts whether he'd managed to do it at the start. Yeah. Well, we're in Dundee, and he had a big test in the past week. You know, he had uh, his supporters with him in the Caird Hall, talking about independence. Very tricky balancing act that's having to be done there. I think it's noteworthy that while the SNP's opinion polls are pegged back a little, you know, they've slumped into first place still. <laughs> um, independence is still coasting along at roughly where it was. I mean, really, you wouldn't be that upset to think, well, pro-independence party with nearly half the vote when there's not even a referendum on the cards. It's not bad. I So what I do this with trepidation, but huh. let, let me set out on a sea of trying to mount a mild defense for Hamza Yusuf here. Um, I think he's actually done reasonably well, given the circumstances he's found himself in. I mean, come on, he's, he's, he's inherited a raft of policies that are deeply unpopular and have had to be jettisoned. His predecessor has been arrested and the party's been in, in meltdown. And he also came in after a very divisive leadership contest, which saw almost half the party vote for another candidate who was calling for a complete reboot. Given all that, I think actually just to keep the show on the road and as you say, to uh, you know, they're, they're, they're still in first place in all the polls and indeed support for independence, top line support for independence seems reasonably solid. However, I, th I, I wonder about the wisdom of the strategy that uh, was unveiled uh, at that independence convention last weekend in Dundee because as, uh, first of all, there's a, there was a little bit of confusion about what exactly the policy was, which we can talk about the comms of that and uh, what it tells us. But I think ultimately, if you get down to it, what he is saying very, very forcefully is that line one of the manifesto is going to be vote SNP for independence. And in a Westminster general election where the SNP have been at their most successful, it is where they have successfully managed to an extent to decouple support for the SNP and support for independence because they realize that one, a lot of the Scottish electorate is looking at the Westminster election in the terms of who's going to be prime minister. Uh, and, and that 2015 being the, the, the great example, they said it was the Nicola Sturgeon said, I think I think the direct quote was independence is off the table in this election. And that was when they they they, they went to their highest watermark because people who uh, are unsure still about independence but believe that a SNP Scottish voice in Westminster would be a useful corrective to things they don't like in Westminster felt free to vote for the SNP in those circumstances. That was at a time when SNP were the SNP were more popular than independents, of course, and now independence seems more popular than the SNP. So perhaps that's been part of the thinking here. But I do think that it's going there is you're limiting yourself completely now as far as the SNP is concerned. Nobody who's unsure about independence is going to be voting for the SNP in this Westminster election. And 
and, and bringing on the challenges that Hamza Yusuf, as a more unknown quantity, is going to have to interject in the Westminster debate between Keir Starmer and Rishi Sunak. Sturgeon was brilliant at that. Look at that 2015 election campaign. She was a central figure in all the coverage, not just the Scottish coverage. And that really changed the dynamic, I think, in, in, how, in how Scots thought about that vote. He's going to have a much trickier time doing that. And he's going to be talking about Scottish independence, which, let's face it, the UK media is not really going to be interested in writing about when they've got a challenge on for what looks like a change in government. It's an odd situation as well, though, because you, you know that there are people in Whitehall who are thinking that they're literally promising to try and break up, you know, the, the, the UK, which is a single unified civil service as well. And like the central policy is to do something which the Supreme Court has said, Scot you know, the Scottish Parliament can't have any role in, in itself. So just by even talking about it, what, what can the UK government say? They just have to pretend it's not happening, surely, because even to... It, even to like just join the debate entertains the idea that it's something that's possible. I mean, I've often wondered about this. You, you regularly see rhetoric from, say, the Scottish Conservatives, for example, whenever, you know, Hamza Yousaf will make a speech about independence or previously when Nicola Sturgeon would talk about independence and the Tories will hit back in very strong terms and say, you know, this is divisive nationalism. This is, you know, not what the government's focus should be. But there's an argument that the best way for the, some of the unionist parties to deal with it is almost just to ignore it, just to say, this isn't going to happen, it's irrelevant, and move on. And just, from their perspective, just focus on the policy that they want to implement. Well, I mean, there's a lot to come over somewhere, but there's still a lot that we need to talk about in, in quiz format, <laughs> I think, which is the universally accepted way of doing it and then working out um, who's been paying attention. And of course, anyone listening to this should be playing along at home. How are we going to do this, Mr. Quizmaster? So we've got... 10 questions today, um, some of it on this term and this year at Holyrood, a couple of kind of more historical questions in there, um, a couple of kind of guessing the closest number questions as well. So we're going to do it in groups of three. So we'll do three questions, then do some answers, take our scores and then continue on. Um, so everybody I believe has a bit of paper and a pen handy. So I'll ask questions and after each kind of interlude of three questions, I'll note down the scores uh, unless they, otherwise I guess it'll be one point for a correct answer. Um, so obviously nobody shout out the answer, you know, write it down, please, instead. So, yeah, if everyone's listening at home, as I say, there's a good mix of questions here. So please play along and see how much you know. So question one, we'll start with a kind of what should be a, a relatively easy one, if you've been paying attention to politics, a Westminster-based question. Who succeeded Dominic Rabb as Deputy Prime Minister? So who succeeded Dominic Rabb as the um, Deputy Prime Minister for the Conservative Party? <laughs> What? <laughs> that was meant to be the easy one. I know. Oh dear. So while you're thinking about that, I'll um, ask you question two. So question two and three are kind of linked. So question number two, which MSP won Holyrood Dog of the Year this year? This is more my level good stuff. So um, for those of you that don't know at home, every year at the Scottish Parliament, there is a sort of Dog of the Year competition and one MSP's dog is crowned champion for being the best dog. So... Who won Holiday Dog of the Year this year? Yeah, uh, I'm back on safe ground. And question three, um, since it's been you know very recent and it's everyone loves dogs, it's the one thing that I suppose maybe unites all political parties, you'd, you'd hope certainly. No unionist dog 
So <laughs> no dog of a unionist MSP has unionist ever won all the dog of the year. True <laughs> or a false? Unionist dog. <laughs> so, no, no, we'll, we'll, we'll call them unionist dogs then. No, let's call them so, unionist dogs. So um, that would be <laughs> no, no conservative Labour or Liberal Democrat dog has ever won Holyrood Dog of the Year. True or false? And I won't tell you when the competition started. It's a nationalist conspiracy. It, it's not, it's I not, knew it. It's not been going on for, you know, decades upon decades. So there's not been a huge amount of winners. So no dog of a unionist MSP has ever won Holyrood Dog of the Year. True or false? So I'll give you a second. And once you feel confident in your answers, I'll do... Questions one, two, and three. I think about 15 seconds or so. I can't. I, I can't get number one. <laughs> that was meant to be the easy one, but clearly, <laughs> clearly you're paying more attention to dogs than to Westminster. Uh, that's just is the, that who, the timeline that I've completely Prime Minister scrambled. now? Yes, so Dominic Rabb was there. It's right. obviously quite a, you know, it's, it's not always the biggest role necessarily, obviously. Clearly not. <laughs> but um, it's, still, it's still a role there and they fill in and, you know, PMQs, I don't know if that helps at all. They fill in in PMQs sometimes. Yeah, I, can see I think I need to call it 10 seconds or so, and if you don't know it. I, I think it's fair to call it now. If you don't know, you don't know. So okay. question number one, I'll go around and ask, ask what you've put for your answer. So question number one, who succeeded Dominic Rabb as Deputy Prime Minister? So who have each of you put? I, I've had a mind blank. I can't remember who stands opposite um, when when the PM's off. David, have you put anyone? Nope. It's Oliver Dowden. <sighs> so he filled in a few, a few weeks ago, he filled in for Rishi Sunak. So no dig at that one, so you all start. I could see his points. face, but I can't remember his name. <laughs> Question two, who won Holiday Dog of the Year? Who did you put, Andy? Uh, Dave Torrance. David Torrance. David Torrance. So everybody clearly is paying attention. Well, he's to he, he didn't. He's not the dog. Year. David Torrance, MSP. Well, he's, uh, yeah. I can't. Yeah, his, I, his dog I, Buster. I, I, knew it was, I knew it was Buster. Buster the dog. Clearly, give me an extra bonus. Clearly, a very um, popular dog. Mm -hmm. So obviously, our next question. That you know, he's a, a Fife SNP man. So clearly, a, a nationalist has won Hollywood Dog of the Year before. So question how, how do you know his dog votes the same way as him, though? It's an well, awful assumption to make about somebody's <laughs> dog. It's not a very yeah. enlightened view, oh, Justin. Um, I'm guessing dogs have to vote as their masters. I'm do. guessing dogs are under the age of 18, and then for therefore, <laughs> vote, so. I am dog years though. Yeah. Okay, so question three No dog of a unionist MSP has ever won Holiday Dog of the Year. True or false? I, I'm pretty sure I remember a conservative um, winner, but I can't remember the name. If I can't, if then I can't think the name. You don't need to know the name. Just I know, so I just, it's just if I knew the name, I, was, yeah, I, think, I think it's. No, I think it's a nationalist conspiracy. I think that only nationalist dogs are allowed to win. So you've said true, yeah. only national dogs have won. Adele, what have you said? I thought Monica Lennon for Labour had been in it, but I didn't think she won. So I put true, that was a only nationalist. Yeah. I have a memory of Elaine Smith from Labour winning, I think. Oh. So I've... Um... False. Um, well, certainly from looking up, you, your answer is correct, but your logic isn't necessarily correct. Ah, okay. But you've, you've got the point. Doesn't so, matter um, how you are, get them as long as yeah, you get them. There are two. Um, so actually, a Dundee-based MSP, Morris Golden, he's won it before. Oh, yeah. And was, um, Jeremy Balford, uh, Jeremy Balford, Conservative MSP as well, ah, right. he's also won it. So that means that um, after three questions so far, we've got David in the lead in two points. And 
Andy and Adele are both on one point. So all to play for and plenty still to go. So we'll keep on going. Question number four. What was Hamza Yousaf's first ever ministerial role in government? So he's first minister now, but when he first joined the government, I believe more than a decade ago now, what was his first ever role? Do you mean in junior government? minister? Or yeah, jun junior ministerial role. Yeah. I can be uh, obviously some ministerial roles are quite long, but as long as you hit on the kind of the role that unless the it's a very role. simple unless it's a very simple one word kind of role, um, as long as you, I can be fairly generous here in terms of points. So um, I'll let you think about that one. Moving on, question number five. Um, this is one that I remember seeing in, I believe it was an article a, a while back. What is Stephen Flynn's favourite TV show of all time? Oh, I hope you were going to so say got, drink. You've got multiple choices here. I should have said it was multiple choice. So you've got The Sopranos, Breaking Bad, or perhaps more appropriately, given Dundee Connections and his ascension to the SNP leadership, Succession. So what is Stephen Flynn's favourite TV show of all time? The Sopranos, Breaking Bad, or Succession? It was in there was a major profile of him where he spoke about you know himself and his background, uh, and he also mentioned a TV show that he absolutely loves. He just can't see anything ever topping this. What's his favourite drink? It's uh, <laughs> um, Aperol Spritz. It's just insane. Have you got a few of those in your expenses claims, and that's how you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Uh, moving on, question number six, and this is a more history-based question for anyone listening. Who was the UK Prime Minister 100 years ago today? Whoa! Oh, good question. So I actually, I asked this, I believe, at one of the previous quizzes, but the answer has since changed. So I, I asked this maybe about uh, six months or so ago, but around 100 years ago, the Conservatives were in power and were having regular changes in leadership. It might sound familiar to people. <laughs> um, 100 years ago. 20. What day is it? <laughs> it's June 30th, 1923. That's what we're looking for. 1923. Mm. I'll give everyone a wee second to think about that um, and the listeners at home as well. If you're, I mean, you, you might have just Googled this by now to see who it was. Oh, see if you Wikipedia I, available to you. Normally, normally when we're doing this remotely, I'm just sitting there Googling away. <laughs> who was Prime Minister when the Wall Street crash happened? Because that might, that might help. Was Prime Minister when my gran was born. She was 23, was she? She's her 100th birthday. Oh, she's just turned 99, actually, so there we go. We should do a whole podcast on Andy's gran, but that's maybe a story for another day. <laughs> we should do, we should So do. those are your questions for four, five, and six. So I'll go through and do the answers if everybody's put something down. And if you've not, you can scribble down an answer now. I'm just trying to think about that PM so, still. Question, we can still think about it while we're doing the answers to four, five, and six. So question four, what was Hamza Yousaf's first ministerial role as a junior minister of government. He was, oh, oh, sorry, I'll go around and ask first. So Andy, what did you say? Transport. Adele, what did you say? Community safety. And David, what did you say? Europe. He was the Minister for Europe and International <laughs> Development. Oh. So that's the full was, title. I think Europe's fair enough. I'm not going to... Was transport a sec? I, rem so I, rem then, I remembered that because he was involved in the Brexit strategy, wasn't yeah. he? So... Yeah, he then moved to transport. I believe that would have been shortly after Brexit. And then obviously to justice, health, and now to First Minister. Question five, um, what is Stephen Flynn's favourite TV show? Um, Andy, what did you put from the options? I pre I'm pretty sure it's Breaking Bad. Adele, what did I think you it's put? Sopranos. And David, what did you I put? I went for Breaking Bad. It's actually The Sopranos. So oh. the point what? Goes to Adele, he's a massive fanatic for 
The Sopranos, um, he said nothing will ever top it. So, That's in right. question six, who was the UK Prime Minister 100 years ago today? So, Andy, what did you say? I don't know. Who was around at that time? I'm just going to have to pass because I just don't know. No. Dale, did you put a guess? I was too embarrassed to guess. And David, did you put a guess? Not one that I'm confident in. Asquith. I was going to say. Wait, 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 wait. Bannerman. No, it wasn't. That's very glad. That's a pub. What are you talking about? It was Stanley Baldwin, Baldwin. Like first of his three stints as Prime Minister. So he succeeded a Prime Minister who had links to Scotland that only succeeded for about 100 or so days. So that sounds familiar to a lot of people. Stanley Baldwin didn't last very long before he ended up losing to Labour. But um, if Rishi Sunak follows the same path, Stanley Baldwin did then become Prime Minister twice again afterwards. So there's still hope for the Tories yet, perhaps, even though he was this election. So it means that heading into question seven, um, well, I'll do the scoring. So Terrible. From bottom up, yeah, Andy's not having the best quiz, uh, despite doing very well in previous ones. He's on one point in third place. Good lord. Uh, Adele is in second place on two points, and David is in the lead on three points. So he's got half the questions right so far. I need to get all these right. If anyone has any issues with the scoring, please let me know. <laughs> the final question, um, which I'll get to in a bit, obviously it may have a bit more, um, may have a weekend kind of bonus type thing for you. So. This next one is a case of uh, question seven, getting wh whoever can guess the closest number. Oh, bad. So, <laughs> um, some of you may have followed uh, the Scottish Conservative uh, Party conference, which was back in April. A lot's even changed since then, but Rishi Sunak was up from down south and gave a speech. But um, obviously, Douglas Ross gave a big speech, um, and the Conservatives were trying to paint a more buoyant picture. And as always, there was a lot of talk about the main rivals of the SNP. <laughs> so, my question to all of you is according to a transcript of Douglas Ross's speech from the Scottish Conservative Party conference, <laughs> how many times did Douglas Ross say SNP? <laughs> so, not even, I'm discounting mention of you know nationalism, nationalists, even individuals. How many times did he say specifically SNP? So the point will go to whoever can get it closest here. I think if somebody can get it bang on, I would give a bonus. Or I, I tell you what, if somebody can get within five, I'll give them two points. Right. I and wondered other, if other than that, if you can get it within, if, if somebody can get closest and within five, they'll get two points. And if you know, if somebody else is not closest but quite close, there's maybe a point there to be had as well. Can you say how long the speech was? It Do was not. longer than Rishi Sunak's, I believe. I'll right. put it that way. Rishi Sunak's was not very this long. This was short. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So yeah, it was it was a lengthy enough speech that is you know, certainly into the double figures. See, I, I was wondering if this was like a trick, and he, he managed to do it without saying it at all. But <laughs> oh no, you, absolutely. You, yeah. He's using other words <laughs> like them, they, you know. <laughs> that, um, right. I'll let you guys have a think about that. I'm good at guessing. While that's happening, can I just point out again that the concept of a unionist dog has really made my day. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for really that, Justin. We're used to dogs at polling stations, so there's obviously <laughs> a sort of, I suppose some of them are maybe, maybe quite politically motivated eventually. Their own little doggy debates. We could, this could be a whole new thing. Post in here. Yeah. So okay. question eight, moving on, and along a sort of similar theme, last Saturday, the SNP had their independence convention in Dundee. Hamza Yousaf set out his new strategy for independence, as we discussed earlier on. And my question is quite a similar one, I guess the number. How many times, according to a transcript of his speech, did Hamza Yousaf say the word independence during his speech? <laughs> so I'll do the same. If you can get it within five and you're closest, you've got two points. If you're within five but not closest, I'll give you a point. 
Um, and if nobody's that close, just the, the closest person gets a point. Right, I've changed my answer on seven a few times, so I haven't cheated. <laughs> hmm. uh, so how many times did Hamza Yousaf say the word independence according to a transcript of his speech? And again, it, was a, it wasn't a, a, a incredibly long speech, but it was lengthy enough that, you know, there was clearly well into the double figures in terms of mm. mentions of independence. So question number nine, our final question of this bunch. And this, this lesson gets the number, but there's numbers involved here. Um, and obviously, as a journalist, we spend a lot of time on Twitter seeing what um, politicians are saying and when they're putting their foot in it. Um, so question nine is, other than Nicola Sturgeon, who is the most followed elected SNP politician on Twitter? So other than Nicola Sturgeon, which elected SNP politician has the most followers on Twitter? So that can be elected politician, could be Holyrood, Westminster, council level, but they've just got to be a current representative of the SNP. Hmm. I suppose there's a few standout answers for you there, but it's, um, I, won't give it, I won't give any hints there. I mean, what I will say is it's not something hugely shocking. It's not something you've. It's not like I'll a, not give any hints. No, I haven't. <laughs> yeah, I've given, I've given a slight hint. It's, but it's not like some councillor that you've never heard of that just also happened to do something else. So, yeah. It's um, a good question, but I don't know the answer. That's question nine. So we'll go through. Those were difficult questions, but somebody's got to get a point somewhere. So, um, question number seven How many times did Douglas Ross say the word SNP or just say the phrase SNP? during his Scottish Conservative Party conference speech. Andy, how many times did you put? Um, I think it was 22. 22. Adele, how many did you put? 17. 17. David, how many did you put? 63. <laughs> <laughs> hey! Actually, so I need to think about who's closest here. So the, Not correct, me. the correct answer is 45. Oh. So how, many, how much did you say again, Adele? 17. And who, how much did you say, Andy? 22. 22. So I, I think David's actually closest because he said... On. 45, so that's within 18. Yeah. So, moving on, question number eight. We'll see if we can repeat the feat by being closest. How many times did Hamza Yousaf mention independence during his SNP convention speech? Andy, how many did you say? Oh, it was 15. You say 15? <laughs> I love, yeah. the, I love the confidence the, of which you're, you're making me doubt the answer. I love the confidence um, of which no, you no, it, that. It was 15, yeah. <laughs> Adele, how much did you say? 27. 27. And David? 42. 42. It was 34. So just by a single number, Adele wins the point for that one there. So, Oh, man. I have crashed and I have oh. burned. Um, so question nine. Other than Nicola Sturgeon, which, SM, which elected SNP politician has the highest number of followers on Twitter? Andy, what did you say? Well, I, I, there's no point in me trying to be clever, so I just have to pick, you know, the, the main man, Hamza. You go for Hamza, Adele, who did you say? Ian Blackford. And David, who did you say? Mary Black. He's got it. It's go Mary on. Black. So Mary Black, um, obviously Nicola Sturgeon is far out in the lead, by far the most well-known politician in Scotland. I think Hamza's second, but um, Mary Black is in the lead with the highest number of followers, obviously very active on Twitter and very well-known at Westminster, so that... Um, Gives David an extra point. So sorry, um, bigger UK profile guys. That's what I was thinking. Um, doing the scoring now uh, in last place on a single point. Andy Phillips. He's he's won it before, but he's um, maybe not having his best best day at the office here. <laughs> in second place on three points, and I think still within a chance of winning. Uh, Dale Merson on three points, and in the lead, um, possibly for his first ever Stuchy quiz win, David Clegg on five points. 
Wow. So a final question, this involves... Um, can this be worth five points? No. Um, so this will be worth five points, but um, if you can get, there will be a point for each correct answer here. So there'll be three correct answers oh. and it's based on... So I mean, I, I, think, I think there's prizes for second place possibly. So... <laughs> Or maybe <laughs> second and third can form a coalition to oust first place. <laughs> we can put our points together. <laughs> so this one, um, question 10, will right. be three points up for grabs for each of you. And this took a lot of research. It took watching a clip from every single episode of First Minister's Questions since what? last September. So I It wasn't through. worth it. I'll just, I'll just, I'll just throw that <laughs> in there So right I went through the whole parliamentary year, which obviously starts around September time and you know has run to the end of June. And I, I will give you a list of options here, so you're not just firing into the wind. But my question is, it's not a Douglas Ross question. Which three issues were raised the most by Douglas Ross as his main question at First Minister's Questions? So I'm going, but I'll, I'll outline how the answers are here because I get there's certain things you could, you know, it, but I'll outline how I'm defining kind of each topic. So um, your possible answers are ferries. So ferries have been a big topic over the past year. The NHS, so generally NHS issues, so you know, cancer waiting times, A E waiting times, um, privatisation of the NHS, that's all been grouped in together. Gender reforms, so the gender reform laws, that's been a big topic, of course. Um, education, always a pressing one. Um, you know, Nicola Sturgeon once touted it as our main mission in government, um, so education is always important. The deposit return scheme, which we mentioned earlier on, has become a bit of a big talking point. General SNP internal issues and independence, I've grouped those together. So general questions about the SNP. The HPMAs, again, another um, SNP green policy that's can fall by the wayside. This is like a memory game now. The <laughs> National Care Service, policing, low emission zones. I forgot the question. Road dealings. <laughs> I think it's three things, is it? The scandal around Professor Eljamel, which was mentioned yesterday. So, some of these clearly will not be the answers, but this is every topic that has been raised by Dr. Ross. So, I mean, even what, if what, I, even, what are we doing? The, you're, the you're listing the three that he's mentioned three. the most. So, right. it's his main question. So, there are certain topics that have come up more than others. So, I won't list which ones, but there's clearly some that he's just mentioned once during one week. And there's others that have come up regularly. And there's three that have come up the most. I tell, I tell you what I'll do. I'll give an extra bonus point. If, I'll ask people to give me their three answers, but if somebody can then say what they think came up the most... No, no. they'll get a bonus point on top. So even if I hadn't given you a list of answers, it would still be quite obvious what has been raised a lot. But that, that just defines how I'm defining the answers because I get certain topics are quite, you know, mm. contentious within, you know, what's what's classed as, you know, health, what's classed as education, justice and so on. But if, every, if everybody's ready, I'll... Has everybody put down three answers? Yeah. So I'll go to Andy first. This is your last chance to try and salvage at least second place. First of all, what three issues did you put down as Donald Shaw's asking about the most? And as for your extra bonus point, which one do you think he asked about more than any other? And this is from the whole parliamentary yes, session. So from last September to yeah. yesterday. Um, I think in in no particular order at this point, I think the gender reforms, okay. because that was such a huge one in the run to Christmas, um, and the NHS, because right. Hamza Yousaf was um, health secretary and then went on. To face him, and I think I think he did talk about ferries a lot. Right. So you've said NHS, gender reforms, and ferries. Aye. Which of those do you think he mentioned the most? I think NHS. NHS. Adele, what have you said? Similar answer, but ferries, gender reform, and SNP issues. So ferries, gender reform, and SNP issues. And which one of those do you think he raised the most? 
Fairies. Fairies. And David, what have you gone for your three and which do you think you raised the most? So I did NHS, gender reform and fairies. And which oh. do you think he said the most? I'm going to say NHS just because right. it's broad. So I can confirm that uh, I'll go from third to top. Um, third place was fairies. Yes. Especially um, around the start of last year. <clears throat> around the start of the last parliamentary year, it was being raised a lot. It has obviously been raised this year as well. In second place, um, SNP issues. So yes. that's become quite common, especially around the leadership debate. You know, the kind of there was rows over membership numbers. There was Kate Forbes criticising the Humza Yousaf during the debates. That became quite prominent then. Mm. And in first place, as a couple of you have guessed, it was the NHS. So um, <sighs> NHS dominated still. It's especially around the start of the last parliamentary term and over the Christmas period. Actually, he's, he's not pushed Humza Yousaf on it as much in recent months, but. Over the Christmas period, there was dreadful any waiting times. There was fears around privatisation, and that's come up a lot. I don't have the exact numbers to hand at the moment. Um, I have them still. It was nearly like every week at June for the winter, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was a lot, a lot of the time over the winter. So I believe, Andy, I think you would have come away from three points with that. You got Aye. two correct, and you then got a the top bonus. one. You would have got two points, Adele, and you would have got three points. So that'll just tally up our final scoring. See who today's winner and runner-up are. So, finishing in third place, he gave a good go at the end. He's not disgraced himself. <laughs> finishing in third place, Andy Phillip on four points. In second place, again giving a good effort um, and decent effort in the final round there on five points was Adele Merson. But Boom. in first place, despite um, his uh, excuses as to why you might why you might struggle, <laughs> running away with it in the end on eight points, and today's winner, David Clegg. I was just, I, I think it's really important uh, to be magnanimous in victory, but I'm <laughs> not that big a person. So I would just like to say, yay! <laughs> well done, David. Um, I think it's because, you know, we were delving back in time there a lot. There was some historical questions. You're, you know. I'm just very, I'm just very uh, sad that I didn't get Stanley Baldwin because I remember that premiership well. It was a, <laughs> it was a good one. It's all my grand talks about. <laughs> Uh, and Adele, that's I'm outrageous. the youngest, so I was at a real disappointment. Thank you for playing the quiz. Good effort by all in the end. Um, Andy was struggling, but we gave it a good I really was struggling. It is a slight embarrassment that none of us knew who the Deputy Prime Minister was. I'm going to put a spin on that, David. Okay, that's good. The spin is that um, we, we're busy people. That's true. And, you know, there's uh, a lot of politics going about. And if he can't make himself known to people like us, it's They're problem, in a worse shape than they thought they were. So really, it's Oliver that? Dowden's fault for you getting the question. It's almost certainly yeah. is Oliver Dowden's fault. Stushy and maybe the invite him into the office for a chat <laughs> see if we can yeah, get some that. stories out of him so that we might raise remember that who he is. Yeah. All right. So, Come on then, Quizmaster. Uh, prizes going on for first and second place here. So is this the <gasps> first place prize? So we have a bottle of white wine for David um, at Campo Viejo. Oof. That is lovely. It'll be Which is a, gone by lunchtime. A very good it's first quite, prize. I think Andy... Andy will be disappointed wow. that he's, he's um, we've never really done prizes before when he's finished in first place. I, so. I, I know. <laughs> and there's a one for second place as well. Where's my retrospective prizes? It's so. a white Rioja. Second place is a, a bottle of Cava. What? Adele. I prefer that. So that's good. You're getting a bottle of Cava. It's a small bottle. That suits me. Adele's trained to Aberdeen. I know, yeah. You're, you're not there. allowed to drink in Scotrail, Adele. You get my, the my advice would be to get some kind of indistinctive packaging. And decant it before you get off. You get the LNER back. <laughs> for those of you listening at home, I hope your prize has been um, gaining knowledge throughout the quiz. Um, yes. So, yeah. Or I'll, having I'll, your knowledge very dulled by And if you did well, to us. you potentially know more than some people who do this day to day. Well done, them. That was a that was great fun, Justin. Thank you very much. Yeah, well Always done. Glad you enjoyed. Okay. Well, I think. I mean, 
I'm too embarrassed to even speak right now. <laughs> Someone else wrap it up. <laughs> uh, that has been the final Stushi of this session and we're going to break for summer and we're not coming back. <laughs> no, no one do anything over summer. Uh, we may well be back for a couple of special one-offs before we, we reconvene in September. But until then, continue to log on to our sites, P&J, The Courier and The Sunday Post and pick up a paper where you can and we'll see you after summer.